Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. Today, so they gave me the series, it's Villains. And so I started thinking, all right, there are a lot of villains in the Bible. Like, where do we go? And so if, you, if, you, you're, if you're not, like, realizing how many villains there are in Scripture, then I would encourage you to get your August um, bookmark out there and just start reading through that, and you will see a lot of villains in the Bible. Um, so those will be out after church today. So make sure that you get one of those, and you'll start to see, like, reality TV has nothing on the Bible. It's just... Shocking. The Bible is shocking. Um, also, I wanted to kind of welcome our online family. So if you're watching online today, we're so grateful to have you. Honored that you would um, click on um, and be with us. So thank you for doing that. Um, so before we get started, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for the word that you um, have for your people today and for me, Lord, as you have taught me. Um, through this study, Father, I just thank you for um, how much peace you've just given me just in studying this. And I just thank you so much, Lord, and for what you're going to do today. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, aren't you glad that he's here? He is here, and I'm so grateful. Um, so the person that we're going to talk about today, okay, so I love this word Jody came up with. Was it English fi? English fi. So I'm going to English fi her name, but I'm going to, I am going to try to pronounce it uh, correctly for you, but I can't keep concentrating on that or I'll like get off track. So um, I'm going to call her Athaliah, but that is not how you actually say her name. Her name is actually Athaliah. Okay. And the Yah is actually quite important because it's a contraction for Jehovah. And it actually means, her name means Jehovah has afflicted. She had a son, and I'm going to call him Ahaziah. That's not how you say it. It's something like, you know how you have to do something in your throat? Like, aha, like, Ahaziah. I don't know. Something like that. So you see why I can't concentrate on that? So um, Ahaziah also has Yah at the end. Again, a contraction for Jehovah, and his name means Jehovah has seized or holds or possesses. Okay, so just kind of want to get that for you there. Um, So that is who we're talking about. I'm going to call her Athaliah because I'm a Georgia girl, and I can't think about whatever, however, I just said her name a minute ago. I was concentrating. I'm not going to concentrate on that. Um, Athaliah was a very... Bad woman, a very bad woman. We often, who, who has heard of Jezebel? Yeah, most of you. Who has heard of Athaliah? Uh-huh, not many. Yeah, she is probably just as bad, if not worse, than Jezebel. And so I wonder, my question is always, how did we get to her? I always have to have to like go back, get a little backstory, right? So in this time of history, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, okay? So in Israel, the king is Ahab. Now, who has heard of Ahab, right? Married to Jezebel. So you've heard of Ahab. All right, and so um, in the kingdom of Judah, 
there is King Jehoshaphat. Again, it's like Jehoshaphat. Again, there's that Yah. So it's Jehoshaphat, actually. Jehoshaphat. Okay. So he is the king in Judah. So we have two kingdoms. All right. Ahab is a very wicked king. Of course, he's married to Jezebel. Um, and Jezebel was a Phoenician princess that brought in her worship of Baal and Asherah, just some evil, evil stuff, and brought it in like alongside the worship of Yahweh. And she so much detested people that worshiped Yahweh that she would kill, she killed some of his prophets. And she even, I mean, she was just awful. She even killed a, like an innocent landowner because her husband wanted his vineyard. I mean, really? So she was a bad, bad woman. Okay, so now I want to take you to, we're going to kind of set up this, this story here. Um, I'm going to take you to Second Chronicles in chapter 17. And this is about Yehoshaphat, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 17. Then Yehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. He strengthened Judah to stand against any attack from Israel. He stationed troops in all the fortified towns of Judah, and he assigned additional garrisons to the land of Judah and to the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years and did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. Okay, that's important to remember. He started off well. Okay, he did not follow the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. So, verse 5, the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control. Who established it? The Lord. The Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and Asherah poles from Judah. Now, if you go on, um, just to summarize chapter 17 a little more, he actually sent out like officials and priests and Levites to, to teach the people about God's law. He wanted it established in Judah. And so he did that. And so he became wealthy. And the fear of the Lord kind of went over the people around him. So they did not want to fight Jehoshaphat. He was in a good position. Now, here we go. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Verse 1. Jehoshaphat enjoyed great riches and high esteem. And he made an alliance with Ahab of Israel by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. Who you hang out with matters. Right? Because here he is. He's, he's not following Israel's way. He's doing things God's way. He, things are going well for him. He's wealthy. People aren't wanting to fight him. And then, like, why? I'm sure there was more to the story because this makes no sense to me at all, except for the fact that back then, a lot of times this would happen so that it would keep peace, you know, so that like we would have this little alliance. You won't fight me. I won't fight you. We'll go fight people together. Like that was kind of the thing to keep the peace, right? 
And I have to be honest with you, in my past, and I still struggle with this, sometimes I will do things like this to keep the peace. What I mean is I want to make people happy, like a people pleaser, you know, like I just like, okay, yes, we can do that if that's what you really want. But that's not always how peace is made, right? Sometimes you have to have some boundaries. Sometimes you have to have some distance for peace. Sometimes you have to stay away from certain people, certain influences to keep peace. And that is okay. Can I tell you that? Like for my family, if you're a troublemaker, you're probably not coming to my house. I don't like troublemakers in my house. Now I'll get Jody to tell you. I won't tell you because I, 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 <laughs> that would just make me cry for days, but he does not mind. He will come straight up and say, uh-uh, you're not coming in my house. And I'm okay with that. Let them be mad at him. Not me. Okay. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Now, if our children were all right here, they could say that word for word because Jody says it quite often. Bad company corrupts good character. Does that mean we're not called to be witnesses to people? Of course not. But does that mean we go hang out with them every weekend? Of course not. Bad company corrupts good character. Youth, don't date non-believers. Like, seriously. Don't think, oh, I can change them. Like, it doesn't work that way. God has to work on their heart first. Then, later, after they're established, then you can date them. Let the Lord work on their heart first, okay? All right, so... Who you hang out with matters. And so Jehoshaphat made a little mistake there. He, made a, he did a lot of great things. There's times where um, later on, well, first of all, Ahab kind of tricks him. And anyway, that's a whole different story. And I'm like, again, what? Why? But later on, he, he knows that some people are coming against him. And he goes before the Lord and he says, Lord, you are God. You are the only one. What do we do? I mean, he, he also knew where to go. He also knew that God was king. And the only king. He knew that. He made mistakes, but he knew that. So in Second Chronicles chapter 21, Jehoram is uh, the next king we're going to talk about. And that is Jehoshaphat's son. Okay. So here's how this plays out. Second Chronicles chapter 21. When Jehoshaphat died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son, Jehoram, became the next king. Now, let me just say real quickly, there is also a Jehoram in the kingdom of Israel. There's two Jehorams right here, so it can get a little confusing. So if you're reading this and you're like, whoa, I'm confused. That's because there are two. It might say Joram or Jehoram, but there is one in Israel. And then there's, this is the king in Judah. Okay. His son Jehoram became the next king. Jehoram's brothers, the other sons of Jehoshaphat, who I'm not going to pronounce, all these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Their father had given each of them valuable gifts of silver, gold, and costly items, and also some of Judah's fortified towns. However, he designated Jehoram as the next king because he was the oldest. But when Jehoram had become solidly established as king, 
he killed all his brothers and some of the other leaders of Judah. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was wicked as king. Who? Ahab. For he had married one of Ahab's daughters. So Jehoram did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But the Lord did not want to destroy David's dynasty. Now remember this. This is important. The Lord did not want to destroy David's dynasty, for he had made a covenant with David and promised that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. Okay, so now we have um, Ahab and Jezebel. And we don't know for sure that this is Jezebel's daughter, but I, I think it's pretty clear that she had a lot of influence on her either way, but it was Ahab's daughter, okay? And so Jehoshaphat has made an alliance with King Ahab that his son Jehoram would marry his daughter. And here comes Athaliah, our villain. And so it says that because he had married one of Ahab's daughter, he did things that were wicked in the Lord's sight. She also brought in, see, this had not really come into Judah. This, this was in Israel, big time. Baal, Asherah, now here comes Athaliah. Who's she going to bring with her? Baal. All because of this one alliance that he made with King Ahab. So Jehoram, who is Jehoshaphat's son, now is married to Athaliah, and he becomes king, which you would think would be wonderful. But it's interesting how when you gain control, maybe without proper oversight, you start becoming paranoid that you can lose it. Like if you feel like, oh, I gained this on my own, then I can lose it on my own, you know? So you feel like you got to take more control. So he goes and kills all his brothers because he's afraid they might take control. So I'm going to take control, which really made them in control because he was afraid of them. So really fears in control. Do you see where I'm going with this? You think you're in control, but you're really not. Something else, fear, you know, anxiety, the want for power. All these things are actually what is controlling you, and you're not really in control. The truth is, if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, is that we were never meant to be king of our own life. Never. We were never meant to be king of our own life. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20 says, and God said, let the water swarm with the swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So God is speaking to the waters and is saying, let it swarm with all of these different kinds of fish. All right. So these waters is where the fish belongs, right? So let's say, for example, a whale just decides, you know what? I don't need this water. I know God put me here, but 
this really isn't where I want to be. I see this little island over here, and I'm going to go just lay out on this lounge chair with my little coconut water and get under this umbrella, and I think I'll have it made. How long would the whale last? Not long. Because the Lord had placed this whale in the water for a reason. The Lord knew what was best for the whale. The whale was created for the water. Right? Okay. Verse 24 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and their livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay. Now let's say, for example, we have a cow. And a cow generally lives in a pasture, So it can eat the grass and roam freely. But let's just say, for example, the cow decides, I don't want to live in the pasture anymore. I know it's best for me. I'm going to move to the mall. I know there's a Chick-fil-A there. (laughs) So the cow moves to the mall. Have you ever seen a cow find a restroom? No. I don't really want any cows in my mall. And how long would the cow last in the mall? Not very long because a cow is made for the pasture. They actually want to roam free. They want to eat grass. They want to do what you do in a pasture and not find a restroom. That's what a cow does. So a cow belongs in a pasture. In verse 26 then, God said, let us make man in who? Our image. So who's he talking to? Himself. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. But what did man do? Man, we came from God. He spoke to himself, said, this is where they belong from me. I will sustain them. I am their source. I'm their home. But man had a different idea and decided one day that I would take control of my own life. And I will go eat what he told me not to eat. The connection was lost, and therefore we became the kings of our own life, spiritually. Now, we were made from dust, so we still eat things that are from the ground, plants and vegetables. But we were made to stay in communion with God. We were meant to live in him. We came from him. It's like our pasture. It's like our ocean. God is your ocean. That sounds corny, but he is, okay? God is your home. And in that home, we're not meant to be king. We're not king there. But we chose to be king. We chose to take control of our life and do what we wanted to do. It's funny how thinking that we're gaining freedom 
by choice actually puts us right in bondage. And do you see that in the world today? Everybody's wanting to be their own king. Everybody's wanting to decide what's right. Everybody's wanting to say, but this is right. No, but this is right. No, you're wrong. I'm right. Why do you say that's wrong? Like there is no absolute. Everyone is their own king. And they think that by having their own choices and freedom of choices means that it will give them more freedom and it actually puts them in more bondage. Because freedom always comes with responsibility. I always tell my kids that. You want freedom? Show responsibility. Now, what is responsibility? It's the ability to respond. To who? To ourself? No. For example, let's say... um, Let's talk about finances for just a second. Let's say if I don't have the ability to say no to to a shopping bill that's like this long, I don't have that response ability to say no, then guess what? I won't have the freedom to spend money when I need to. Right? Okay, let's talk about time for a minute. Let's say I waste all my time. I'm wasting it. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm doing nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm wasting it. I'm wasting it. And then when my children need clothes to wear, I don't have them. I can't respond to their needs. I've lost my responsibility. Think, we've talked about Adam and Eve. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Sarah decided to take control of the situation. Say, Abraham, I know we need a son. Take Hagar. Y'all have a son. And then what happened? Then she doesn't like the way Hagar's treating her. She becomes paranoid. And she thought this freedom of choice would bring more freedom. And it actually brought her bondage. Freedom comes always with responsibility. With my children, for example, if they're wanting to watch Netflix, which we have all the safeguards we can have, but I still expect them. If something comes up that's questionable, you do not watch that show until you talk to mom and dad. Now, if you are able to respond appropriately, and I can see that by your history, then I will give you more freedom. But if you choose to watch something that you know was questionable... You will lose freedom. Freedom comes with responsibility, our ability to respond. Thinking about finances again with the Hensons, if we're not good stewards with our money, then are we going to be able to respond when God touches our heart and says, I need you to support them? I won't have that responsibility. And I'm speaking to myself. You heard me pray at the beginning like the Lord has been speaking to me about this. This is for Haley Haggerty, just in case you're wondering. Okay. So here we are. We were not meant to be king of our own life. Luke 12, 47. This is the message translation. says, the servant who knows what his master wants and ignores it or instantly does whatever he pleases will be thoroughly thrashed. But if he does a poor job through ignorance, he will get off with a slap on the hand. 
Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts, greater responsibilities. How many of you have have seen someone and they think, oh, I would love to have that job. And you're thinking, you can't handle that job. Right? Because it's, it, you know what that job entails. A lot of responsibility. Yes, you may have freedom to be able to make choices and lead people, and that's wonderful. But if you are not able to respond appropriately, you will not be able to handle that leadership position. That's just the way it is. And you cannot be a good leader unless you have a leader over you. And for us, he's king. Thank goodness for Jesus coming and putting us right back in our home. Aren't you grateful for that? So before, if you'll look, before the tree incident, Adam was able to uh, reign, it said, over the animals. and over, He had freedom because why? He was connected to the king. He was connected to love himself. And if you're connected to love himself, you, are, you will reign well. Okay, but Athaliah was not connected to love. And I'm just going to sort of give you this story. Um, it's in Second Kings in chapter 11 when Athaliah found out that her son. So um, after Jehoram had died, her son, um, actually all of his sons were killed except for his youngest, Ahaziah. Um, and so he was actually killed um, Ahaziah was killed with the king of Israel. He had gone to check on him because he was hurt from a a battle. And so at that point, they were both killed. Um, So when she found out that Ahaziah had died, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what would you think she would do? Like, oh, my poor son. Like, you would think. But someone that is not connected to love, that's not how they think. She's thinking, I'm going to destroy the line of David because I want to be king. So she goes around and starts killing everyone that could possibly take the throne, including her grandchildren. And we wonder the world, there's nothing new under the sun. We see evil and we think, oh, this has to be new. It's not. It's not new. People that are not connected to love are connected to something else and they want control and they want to kill the line of David. Now, right now with us, maybe not physically, what the enemy does though is come in and say, I don't want you to understand who you are whose child you are, who you belong to. Because if you do, you might just stand up and take your position in this life. So the enemy goes around trying to destroy people's thoughts, their confidence in the Lord, trying to make him think, think just like he did with Eve, thinking, God, God doesn't really care about you that much. If he did, he'd let you have this. That's the kind of stuff that the enemy does so that we will think we need to take control. That we need to be the one to do it instead of trusting our father and remembering that we are an heir. We are in the line now. 
So what happened was she, um, she was able to, she thought, kill everyone, but she missed one. She missed one. So the high priest, Jehoiada, and his wife, they hid Joash, this one descendant. They had him in a bedroom, and then they take him to the temple, and they hide him. Of course, she's not going to the temple, right? So they hide him in the temple for six years. So she reigns for six years. And how many times in your life have you thought, Lord, where are you? Like, there is wickedness everywhere. There is evil. I don't understand this. Where are you? And all along, he has a plan. And sometimes it's hiding in the temple. Sometimes it's hiding in the physical church, and sometimes it's hiding in this temple. Because we are the temple, right? So he had a plan. Just like he had a plan with Moses, just like he had a plan with Jesus coming as a baby, just as he had a plan with them all thinking that killing Jesus was a great idea. They had no idea they were saving the world. And here it goes again. So here they are. When the time comes, they bring out Joash and all the people are excited because there's a king. They don't want Athaliah. People don't want people that just take control and are not connected to love and are just bleh. People don't like that. I don't like that. So they were excited and they protected him, protected Joash. And they take after, so she comes out, she hears all these like, you know, and they come out and she, she's like ripping her clothes, which is what they did when they were mourning. And she, this woman starts yelling, treason, treason. Are you kidding me? But that is how, when you get so in control of a situation, people become delusional, like really delusional. And they think that right is wrong and wrong is right. And they really, really believe it, really believe it. And she's yelling treason. So they take her to the horse gate, the horse corral, if you will, and they kill her there. And Athaliah dies. So it's interesting to me, I was thinking about the horse gate and how the Lord, whenever I'm studying something, he brings things in my path just to help solidify it in my mind, you know, just sort of help push it along. And so this week, my family and I, we went horseback riding. And so if you want to show those pictures, um, I think there's probably one with me and um, with uh, Piper and I. Yep, there's Piper and I on a horse. They had this really cool saddle where she could sit in the back. So that was really neat. So we, we go horseback riding. So right here is where we actually had gotten off the horses. And, uh, of course, the, our leader, her name was Mary, and so she was very methodical about it because, you know, you're not supposed to stand behind a horse. Not everybody knows all of the rules, and we weren't. there were other people with us. And I, I was watching Mary and how these horses would respond. They knew she was in control, and they could hear her. And so that she'd say, come on, you know. But then also when we got off the horses, if she'd start to kind of walk behind one of them, she'd say, behind you, Foxy. And I started thinking about, you know what? The Lord is so good. That's what he does. The Bible says that he goes before us. So in other words, he's leading our path. But then it also says he's our rear guard. He's like, I'm behind you, Haley. I'm here. Don't worry. 
Don't get startled. I'm right here. Don't get upset. I'm right here. He's also before you saying, come on, let's go. Come on. And I thought about that. And so last weekend, um, I think there's one more because we were getting off to see a waterfall. I don't think you can see the waterfall. No, you can't see the waterfall. That's why we were getting off to go. There was like this huge like cliff. And I was like, do you want me to take my children down? No, thank you. Well, we'll just take a picture right here. This is good. I'm like, seriously, it was like a big rock and then nothing. And I was not taking Piper, my lovely wild child, down there. Because she would be like, oh, yay, woo, let's go. And she, we just weren't doing that. Um, but I started thinking about this, too, with uh, last weekend I went and spoke in West Virginia. And, you know, for me, one of the things that I really struggle with when it comes to messages is order. I, I have tons of information, but I don't always know in my mind how to put it in order so that it makes sense. You know, and so I really struggle with that. And you, if you'll stick at my papers, they're like arrows everywhere. Go down here, no, go up here, no, go here. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. Now the whole thing's chaotic, and I don't understand what I'm doing. And so I get really nervous about that, like really nervous about that. And so here we are Saturday night, and it's like 5 till, and I'm still making arrows on my paper. Like, like Lord, I, I am lost. Like, now I'm really confused now. I, I know you're not the God of confusion, but right now, like, I'm messed up. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm still making arrows. And my mom, and if you know my mom, God love her. She's not going to wait on you. <laughs> Just if you know her, you will know that. And so she comes in the door. She's like, we're praying up here. Come on. And I'm like, uh, okay, just a minute. And I'm making my arrows and I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Make it here, you know? And so, I mean, I have been doing this all day arrows. There's like a bazillion arrows on this paper. And so she walks out and she like walks right back in now. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So I, I follow her out there and they're praying and it was a lovely prayer, but I'm still thinking about my arrows. Where are my arrows and where am I going to go with this message? And so this woman, um, when we were done praying, she just said, I just saw something and I won't tell you the whole thing. But the one thing that stuck out to me was that she said, well, several things stuck out, but this for this particular night was that she said, I could see you. And it was like the alphabet coming out. It was A, B, C, D. And I just took a deep breath. Because he had gone before me. He'd already organized it. He was going to help me say A first, B second, C third. And I didn't have to worry. But how many times do we want to take control with our arrows? Man, I feel so responsible when I come up here. Like, you guys have no idea. It is heavy. To come up and want to share what the Lord has put in your heart. It's, it's, it's heavy. And you feel very responsible. Very responsible. But he reminded me, this is his church. These are his people. It really has nothing to do with me except just to be a willing vessel. Do my part and trust him. Right? And so I don't know if, if this ministered to you or not, but it ministered to me because I'm constantly trying to take control of things. I want to, like, do it. And God is saying today, I love this. I did not even know that that song said that. Lift up your eyes, for the king has come. 
I love that. And so I want to give an opportunity. If you don't feel like right now that you have a relationship with the king, if you're feeling like you're living outside the ocean or outside the pasture, I just want everyone to kind of just close your eyes for a minute. If that is you today and you think, I just don't think that I'm living in the ocean. I don't know that I have that connection with the king. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Thank you very much. I see you. Anyone else? I see you. I see you. Awesome. Anyone else? I see you. Thank you so much. One more time. Anyone else? Just lift up your hands so I can see. Awesome. Okay. We're going to pray this prayer together. If the whole church would just pray with me. Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I've made mistakes and that I've lived disconnected from you. But right now, I ask for that connection back. I accept your son and what he did for me on the cross. I believe, Lord, and I want you to be the king of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So excited for you. If you would, if you prayed that prayer, there's a a paper in front of you and the seat back in front of you. If you'll just fill that out while they're singing in just a few moments, um, that would be wonderful. I think that there's some next steps and things that we can can get for you. And so Pastor Jody will will talk about that in just a minute. I also want to say one more prayer, if that's okay. If you feel like, just bow your heads one more time. I know we like to get in a hurry on Sunday, but you know what? Sometimes God wants to do something. I just want to pray for anyone that feels like I have kind of taken control of things that maybe I, I need to hand over to the Lord. Is there anyone in here that you're just sort of feeling like that today? Because I'm going to raise my hand. Yeah, all over the place. That's what I thought. Because we just do that. Sometimes we just do that. And so I want to pray for you and myself today, if that's okay. Dear Lord, I just pray for every person right now in this room that is feeling that way, Lord. That, Lord, we know that we take control of certain situations that we know we should give to you. That we know should we, we should seek your counsel. As you told Jehoshaphat, Lord, that the battle is yours. Lord, we thank you that the battle is yours. We thank you for the ability that you have given us to respond to what you tell us to do. Not what everyone else tells us to do. Not even what our mind sometimes tells us to do. But what you tell us to do. Lord, we want to respond to you today. And so I thank you, Lord, for moving in their hearts. I thank you, Lord, for moving in mine. Lord, and you will just continue to share with us. This week, just more and more about this, that peace and comfort would overtake us as we live in your ocean, Lord. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you all- we hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.